0: today in the attorney career advice podcast with harrison barnes
1: but you make people understand that you want something and you really want it if you want the job law firms will hire you even if there's better candidates but most law firms are not impressed by you doing lots of different things being manageable what does that mean so I'll give you a couple of examples of people that I've seen in my career that, that weren't manageable and and how and what happened to them. And I will just I guess what I can talk about are just a, a few first-year associates that I saw lose their jobs in the firms I was working in. In the first firm I worked in, there was a guy that was valedictorian from a top, probably a top 10, it was a top 10 law school that I don't think it is anymore, but top 10 law school is first in his class. and uh, and he thought it was a very big deal and he was like the editor-in-chief of the law review and, and he decided that he knew more than the people he was working for and, and started doing things like giving quotes to the press about what he was volunteering, about cases he was working on and, and telling partners that they were wrong about stuff. And pretty much everyone just stopped giving him work. And within six months, he was out of his first job and became a solo practitioner. That's kind of six months, yeah, about six months. And, and so that's someone that was not manageable. Someone thought they were so important. They knew more than everyone and that sort of thing. That's one example. Another example, I can think of someone that was not manageable was an attorney who was very sad. He was at the very top of his class at a top, I think a top two law school and like probably one of the top five students was graduating class. And he was given all these assignments and, and one particular assignment was given by a junior partner and, and he, he told the junior partner there was no need to do it after examining it, that this was the answer. There was no need to do any further research or work on it. And he was done. And that guy also lost his job. And as a first-year associate, it was very sad because he had a very tough family life and, and, and became very deprived. Anyway, so being manageable is very important. And, and you need to look like on your resume that you're manageable, meaning that you're the sort of person that can be managed. And it's also with interviews. You need to. Look like you're manageable. And if you're, if you don't, then, then people won't hire you. So being manageable means looking like you're someone that. Uh, the law firm will have the, that will be managed, and I'm sure everyone that's listening to this or watching this right now understands lots of examples about people that can't be managed and how that creates issues. Another kind of sign of management, and I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up, is people that are not manageable often will will be more concerned with what others are doing getting and getting than their own job. So I've been in, and again I'm. Don't like bringing this up. But I'm going to. I've been doing this work for over a long time, decades. And one of the things that I've noticed, and and partners have said to me, and that I've seen throughout my career, one of it was funny. One of the first websites I ever advertised on were, and I think I might have bought that I advertised on was a Greedy Associates type website, and a lot of people use that. And there's always been websites like that where people go and gossip about their law firms and what other people are doing and what the things that are going on those websites. And again, very interesting, not criticizing you for looking at them, but one of the things that 25 years ago partners said to me, and even currently they said to me, because there's all there's always been these sites and there always will be ones, like this where people go and read gossip about bonuses and things, which again is interesting. I'm not criticizing you for doing it, but people that tend to focus on what others are getting and that sort of thing often are very difficult for law firms to manage. And so really just being more concerned about uh, the work that's in front of you is uh, often much more helpful in terms of that and makes it... Because the management, being able to be managed, I don't like talking about this, but it's what it means when you're working for someone else. And it's really the main reason a lot of times that associates don't get jobs and also lose their jobs in law firms and partners as well people that are unable to be managed i partners by the way are often unable to be managed and it's very common especially it's funny when i was writing an article the other day about all these law firms that have gone out of business and typically what happens with partners is a lot of times partners will always move that they, they just can't be managed. They don't want people telling them what to do. They don't like their compensation being set by someone else or whatever the issue is and will leave because of that. So partners also can be very difficult to manage. And typically when a law firm goes out of business, not always, but a lot of times they've hired a lot of lateral partners and things and those partners can't be managed. And so suddenly you have a whole firm that can't be managed. And so man, being able to be managed is very important. Okay, then the next one, and if anybody has any questions, we'll also take a lot of questions after this. But if anybody at any point has any issues or things that they want to discuss with these uh, points, uh, let me know. And there's actually six of them, but I'll just cover five real quickly. So the, and the next one is, do you want the job? So wanting a job means a lot of things. So people talk about networking and wanting the job. People talk about uh, all sorts of things about what do you want, How do who wants the job? And I have some very pretty simple secrets that I've followed in terms of making placements throughout the years. And I'll go into those in a second. But wanting the job really means a lot of things. So I'll tell you a couple of quick stories. The first was, this is something, this is not related, but when I was in, when I was very young, I got my first dog. And uh, when we were leaving, my mom was like, well, why did you pick out the dog you picked out? And I said, it's because it was the dog that first ran up to me and was spent all her time like nice to me, and, and and so that was how I picked this. So I picked the dog that liked me the most, and and it's the same thing with a lot of times with our relationships. Who do we get involved in? If we're healthy, a lot of times we're maybe not healthy. We get involved with the people that like us the most. We we tend to stay and work with the people that, that like us the most. And so employers are the same way. If somebody really wants the job, then we're more likely to hire them than if they don't want the job. And so anybody that wants a job, that gives you, that gives the employer a real reason to want to hire them. I have seen some exceptional people that at getting jobs throughout the years, very exceptional. Over the past 25 years, I've watched very good attorneys manipulate me to get jobs, to work for their firm, to, meaning to recruit for their firm, to the ones that are the best at it are typically the ones that really want the job and have something special to offer. And how would you, and we'll talk about this in terms of how it applies to your resume, but how do you what do the best attorneys do to get clients what do the best attorneys do to get jobs and Really what they do is they're able to connect with people in a way that shows them this place is really freaking special to me. This stuff that you do, it's exactly what I do. So-and-so is committed to it. I really want them to think that they're amazing. I've studied this. It means something to me. And people get into schools this way. They get jobs this way. They get into a school. I've. How do you get into a school? If you get into a school and you have the attention, you have reasons to the school that go far beyond your grade point and your other things that make it very clear why you want it. And often it's because you've been able to network with people at the employer or your experience is a perfect fit or your your background, but you make people understand that you want something and you really want it. So again, going back to the secret of how do I... When I'm placing people, one of the secrets that I have is I will ask all my candidates after an interview, if you get an offer here, would you accept it? And if they say yes, yes, you tell the firm that this person really wants to work there. They will, if you give them an offer and compensation and everything is good, they will accept the job. And that closes more job interviews than, than anything because the average person gets an interview. The law firm is waiting for signals many times. Say, if it's a great law firm that everyone wants to work in, they'll assume you they want to work in there. But if you have really convincing reasons for wanting to work there, then they will hire you. I had a case once it was interesting it was years ago and uh, and the person was it was a very sad story the person was was funny but they were working in a as a personal injury solo practitioner in our DUI solo practitioner in Los Angeles and then one day they saw an ad that this Japanese law firm was coming to town to to interview people and would if you wanted you could show up at this hotel suite and they would interview you to work at their firm in Japan on this date and time and so he showed up and hardly anybody showed up and uh, they hired him to work in Japan for a fairly low paid job. so he ended up had taken the, the train two hours a day. he wasn't Japanese, he was Minnesota or something and uh, but anyway, after several years there he just couldn't take it anymore I and mean, he wasn't making money he married a Japanese wife, was taking this train and then just not having a very good time living in a one-room apartment with a baby. And, And so he contacted me and he was actually doing corporate related work. So I thought, this is interesting. And I managed to get him some interviews in the United States because the corporate market was very active at the time. But the problem was, is he didn't have a great personality. He just didn't know how to connect with people. He might've been competent enough, but he didn't connect with interviewers. And so he couldn't voice the things he was thinking. He couldn't just, he, I don't know if nerdy is the word, but he just didn't seem interested in the subject matter, nothing. So one of the firms that I had a lot of contacts with was in a mid-sized firm I'd gotten him an interview with in Los Angeles. i had been initially scheduled the interview with him with a partner in that had been in Tokyo. And I found out the partner was in Tokyo. I was like, you should interview this guy. And the partner gave him a lot of pep talks before he went and interviewed him. And he did very well with an in-person interview. But then he came back to the United States and interviewed. And all of his reviews I found out after were horrible and not horrible, but just. Again, no interest, flat, monotone. Like, just didn't connect with the interviewers. And so I said to him, I was like, "Okay, I need you to be at my office at 8 a.m. on Saturday, and we're going to spend the entire day writing each of your interviewers and telling them why you want the job, why you—it's very important to you, how it would change your life, why it's important." And, and this was a law firm that paid top of market, and at the time he was making maybe thirty thousand dollars a year in Japan. And it was great, and this firm would have paid him like one fifty or something. And uh, anyway. So he wrote these notes and we didn't finish them until 11 o'clock at night. I didn't write them for him. I had him write them and then I had him rewrite them and write them again, and, but it made him very persuasive. And so he wrote these follow-up notes. And typically, I do not recommend writing thank you notes all the time, but he wrote them. And they were at the level where people were reading them and crying. I found out from the firm later and he got an offer because he looked like he wanted a job. So you have to, and which just completely changed his life and the direction of his career and so many nice things. And then um, I think they might have even paid to move his futon over from Japan. But the point is that if you want the job, law firms will hire you, even if there's better candidates. And so how do you look like you want the job? You look like you want the job by personalizing your resume to the job that's advertised. That's one thing. I, at BCG, will coach people to make their resume focused on the type of practice area they're in. But your resume really needs to be focused on the type of practice area that you're in and make it look like you want the job. So if you're applying to a certain type of firm and your resume has very good information that discusses why you would be a good fit for the job and, and is aimed towards that practice area and uses keywords related to the practice area. There's all sorts of guides on BCG that talk about practice areas and they will talk about the, if you do a search for the practice areas, uh, there'll be keywords there and all sorts of things. But applying for a certain type of firm, if you're applying to, for a job that the firm has using the making sure that your resume and so forth looks that way. It is is personalized for that employer is important. Also, your cover letter is extremely important because your cover letter can go into details about why you want the job. You can talk about what the firm does, why you always wanted to work there. I got a job once it was funny, it was at a firm called Dewey Ballantyne. And my grandfather had been in the same fraternity or something as Dewey, who was the founder of the firm in college at the University of Michigan. And he'd always told me, or his father actually, not me, that wouldn't it be great to work in this firm? I know this guy, it'd be awesome if one of my relatives could work there. And so I went into an interview and one of the first person I interviewed with, I told them that and they beamed and it was just like basically got the job. So wanting the job is very important and and that there's a way that you can convince people of that on your resume, it will help you quite a bit. And so that's one of the ways that people can tell that from the resume. And then other ways you can do that many times, again, are through networking, telling people that you want the job, that that your cover letter and so forth. But people are going to believe that you want the job if your resume is very focused as well. And then some of the other things that are important for a resume are making yourself likable. So how do you make yourself likable on a resume? And and just think about it, how you would view it. So if you're a liberal and you're viewing someone's resume and they have a bunch of stuff on there about how conservative you have a bunch that you're reviewing the resume and a bunch of how conservative they are, you're automatically going to reach all sorts of negative conclusions about them. If you see someone's resume and they're applying for a certain type of job and things on their resume that turn you off, you're not going to like them. So people can tell if they like you or not from your resume. So sometimes you, there's ways to get your resume better and better. Uh, by eliminating a lot of things that may make you not likable. Things that make people many times not likable are being about accomplishments and not just maybe listing them, making yourself seem like you're better than other people in ways that may not be conducive with certain law firms interests, make not Sometimes having hobbies and things on your resume can be fun. Things like cooking or simple types of things can be helpful. But just think about what kind of people do you like? What kind of people do you not like? Now, the things that you want to be known for that are important to you will often be good to put on there. But just remember, if you're applying to certain types of firms, you can often make yourself unlikable. And, and so people, you need to be very careful about that. But this was just, I wanted to go through these things with everyone just so you understood a lot of the things about how an employer views your resume and what they're asking. There's some other things that are important that I did want to list under some of the stuff about whether or not you can do the job. Typically, when someone's looking at your resume, there's some very simple things that you need to do. So I had an instance once where I had applied to a law firm and there was a date typo on my resume. And and actually, I hadn't made the date typo. It was funny. It was a, a recruiter that had made the date typo. They had retyped my resume for some reason because I didn't have a version. I'd fax it to them as long time ago. And in a law firm that interviewed me literally was so upset by it, they were not going to make me an offer until it was explained. So typos, proofreading and things will often show that you can't do the job to certain types of firms. If you don't do that, I recommend everyone use proofreading programs on their resume. And to make sure you do that and, and, and review things for, for typos and all that sort of thing, because making sure that, that you proofread the resume is extremely important. Lots of people do not get jobs because of proofreading. I would say anytime I run a resume through a proofreading program, it's always finding errors. And a lot of these errors are things you would not expect. They're, there's rules about when you write down a number on your resume as opposed to spelling out the number. There's rules about hyphens, there's rules about putting commas and and titles and periods after uh, employer names versus not and how to all these rules that you wouldn't know if you weren't running things through programs. So when you turn in something that has all that, certain types of law firms are automatically going to disqualify you and you might not even know why. But when they see those things, because it just makes it look like you may not be at a level that they're expecting in terms of that. So that's one thing that can often show you can't do the job. Doing the job long-term, again, will often be highlighting experience that's not relevant, being managed. And one other thing about management too, that I, I think is very important is just the format of your resume. The format of your resume should be very simple. And when I see simple, that the resume should not You shouldn't be using special colors and and that sort of thing on it. You shouldn't be giving indications of something. It shouldn't be trying to get people's attention in a way that kind of detracts from a standard resume. So the better off you do with that, the better off you'll be in terms of that. One other thing, too, I wanted to just talk about briefly, and and these are not that important, but I do want to bring this up to you, is it's funny, like I read articles, like legal articles about attorneys that... Have been arrested or committed crimes and things all the time, and 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 so sometimes I'll look them up because I want to see if this person ever applied to BCG so, like fifteen years ago or something. I will look up and I always notice it's very unusual. But I've always noticed all these people have PO boxes. I'm like, why? Why do these people that are convicted of committing crimes have all have PO boxes? And I've noticed it a lot. So I'm just saying. I even thought like attorneys that I've known. I worked in a firm. The first firm I worked at. Uh, Three or four people years later, over the course of a long time, were arrested for doing various things. And I noticed, I remember thinking, why do they have PO boxes in the firm directory, which used to be a printed thing? I think anytime you don't give identifying information, it can be, it can hurt you. I think it's, if you want to put your address down, that's fine. When you talk about, do we like you? One of the things that I would keep off there to make people like you are things like private schools. People do not like that. A lot of times, fancy neighborhoods you live in. you live in a really good area of New York, or or whatever. You live in a very expensive area of Los Angeles, or something. You typically that can upset people, so you want to often leave that stuff off there as well. And then often just using I don't know, but those are some of the kind of the major things that I recommend. All right, I think that's about it in terms of the, this resume things that I really wanted to say. And what I'd like to do next is take a quick break, and then when I come back, we can take we can go through questions. That you guys may have, or girls may have, on all this. Some of the questions I think that are the things that I just think are believe are the most important about being able to, to get a position with your resume are when you're. Anytime you're highlighting whatever type of work that you do, try to focus and think about focusing on hopefully on one thing. Doing the job means having typically experience in whatever the job opening is. Now there are firms; they're not common, but there are firms that are looking for. A generalist. If a firm is looking for a generalist, then that's fine. You can have a generalist resume. But most law firms are not impressed by you doing lots of different things. They may be impressed if you're a litigator of doing some different types of litigation, but they're not going to be impressed about you doing a lot of different things. They don't like a corporate attorney that also does litigation. They don't like a patent attorney that also does tax. It's just how it is. So if you, they want to hire people that are experts and that there's just a lot of reasons for that. So your resume needs to look like an expert. One of the things too that, that is interesting, and I'm trying to give you guys and girls as many examples as I can because I want you to succeed. One of the things that I've noticed that's happened to me when i was in college i remember i got an interview with this uh, company it was called nader hoffer trading or something and this very famous trader that came to my college and interviewed 50 people and the actual nader hoffer came and then only brought back two. And it was a very desirable job to get because people could make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. It was a long time ago. I a loss right out of college working for this guy. And so I went in and, and on my resume, and this is how employers still look at resumes. I had all of this. I'd written a book about I don't know race relations in Detroit or something. And I had a lot of discussion about that. All my classes were related to this kind of stuff. I, all my interests and clubs and things were related to social organization, betterment organizations, and things. And so, the, one of the traders there just took a look at my resume and goes, "Listen, this is. I don't know why this guy brought you back, but you just look exactly like someone going to law school. There's really no point to continue this interview." And he was right. What a horrible mistake it would have been made hiring me for that job. The point is, if you're hired, can you do the job means your resume needs to look like this is what you should be doing. And so if you're interviewing for a certain type of job, you need to just look at it from the employer's point of view. And the whole concept of first principles, which is Aristotle, means stripping everything down to its essentials and making sure that those essentials are reflected in your background and to what the employer is looking for because essentially the employer just wants someone that can do the job that's going to show up follow instructions be managed stick around take criticism that wants the job and that they like and being likable means trying to fit in and applying with the people that you're talking with and so forth but that's can you do the job and then doing the job long term i think i talked about that just think about think about you interviewing people i'd like to give an example of people hiring a nanny for their house because a lot of people attorneys will hire nannies while they're at work or they'll hire babysitters and things so if you hire someone their all their experience is on um, is fixing cars and they say now I want to be a nanny that to you is probably not going to you're just going to be like, no, like I wouldn't hire this person. If someone's resume looks like they've... Or maybe you want to hire someone, maybe you travel back and forth to, to Europe for work and you're there weeks at a time and you need someone to watch your kids. Is that going to be the kind of person you're going to want to hire that's going to stick around if they've had a job every three or four months? So just think about it from the employer's point of view. The employer wants someone that's going to stick around long-term and looks committed. So they can pick that up from there. And again, people are going to pick up your interests based on what's on your resume. And then being able to be managed, think about that the same way. If someone has things on their resume that suggest that they don't want to be managed or they're more comfortable not being managed, which is a lot of people, it's not. there's nothing wrong with that. That's going to detract from it. And then wanting the job, again, I talked a lot about that, but looking like this is the type of job you'd want to do. You're not just applying for a random job is very important. And then being likable is also important.
0: Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards, because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world we have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today.
1: And likable, by the way, is also means, can you fit in? And can you do well there? Now, People can fit in and be likable in different ways. So I'm going to tell you a white guy story, and I don't mean this in not in a necessarily good way, because this is again a long time ago. But I remember the first offer that I got from a law firm was I went to University of Virginia for law school, and and I interviewed with this law firm in New York. It was a big law firm at the time. I think it's out of business called Reed and Priest. And but I went out to lunch with these guys, and I didn't think my interviews went particularly well. But, but I interviewed with these guys and I remembered when I was at Virginia, there were all these people from Washington and Lee and they've been part of these like drinking fraternities or something and got branded. And, and so I went out to lunch with these guys and they had all three of them had gone to Washington and Lee. And I started bringing up that I had some friends that were in these drinking fraternities and not friends or people that I knew actually in law school. And these guys had all been in them. And then they showed me their ankles where they'd been branded and, I, and they're like, we definitely need to hire you. So this is an example of bonding with people over something pretty, pretty bizarre. But but that makes people... You can find commonalities with people. They like you. So people like people from certain schools. They like people that are like them. They like people with shared interest. And, and this can create problems for many people from different types of groups. I'm not saying this is a positive thing all the time, but this is something that you do if you are liked by the people that you're interviewing with can help you quite a bit and, and getting jobs. And it's something that I believe is important. So finding commonalities with people, asking about pictures on their desks, sh- shared interests, things along those lines. But I remember when I was in just starting in this business, it was 2001. And it was really the worst corporate market I've ever seen for corporate attorneys. And there'd been so much over hiring when all these corporate or all these dot-com companies started and stuff of corporate attorneys. And that just so many people were pushed out on the market and the law, everyone was paranoid. There was no deal work or anything. But there was one firm, Morrison and Forrester in in Denver, that had an opening. And so they were getting hundreds of applications from it was insane. Just to give you a sense of how bad the market was or was at the time, we were getting 10 or 15 resumes from corporate attorneys, probably every hour. And they were good. They were people that have been laid off Ivy League schools from the top firms all over the country. And, and we had one recruiter working for us that couldn't believe that these people were not placeable. And, and he ended up losing probably 30 pounds. And he was not heavy to begin with in the course of three or four months trying to place all these people and became so frustrated. He had a little bit of a nervous breakdown and, and, and which I don't blame him. It was very hard. So the point is that we had one person interview in, in this Denver job and the guy went in and he was, I don't know, he wasn't from Denver and they could have hired plenty of people from Denver. And he went in and, and the partner he interviewed with was very, very, devoted skier not skier but i don't know what it's called that not, not skiing, it's called um snowboarder it was a very devoted snowboarder and really liked it and did it all the time and that guy they interviewed was also a snowboarder and not only that he'd been like a champion nationally or something and just completely connected with a guy in the firm call us and they're like he has to hire and because he's a snowboard so it's so people identify with you and based sometimes on things on your resume they will like you many times because of your politics. So if your politics is right, they may like you, but they'll also like you for reasons that you can connect with them. And If your resume can connect with people and make them like you, that's important. So just think about, do you like this person or would you like this person? Ask other people to look at your resume that way as well. I hope all that stuff helps. And again, I'm sorry I didn't do... I wanted to do a, a webinar, but I thought that a webinar with a... I had a PowerPoint prepared, but I really felt this stuff is the kind of approaching things this way is more important. I would love to... Any questions anyone has when we come back, whether about this or anything else, You any other questions you have, but, but I, I do think I'm looking at your resume and experience through these five lenses is something that can help you. Uh, quite a bit because this is really how employers review them. This is how I view them, and it can make a huge difference if you look at your resume that way. And again, the resume makes just massive difference. I again, I look at I've looked at hundreds of thousands of resumes, and 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 it's something that can make a big difference. And oh, by the way, if anybody wants to put their resume in chat without your name on it or something, I can open it up during this call. I'd be happy to if I can look at it somehow critique it without your name on it and. Give you some input as well before we before the webinar is over. But happy to do that. Okay, I will be back in a few minutes, and yeah. Right. Thanks. So let's get started. So we'll go to the questions. Let me see here. Okay. So the first question is two questions. How can you show your resume that you want to move from one employer prestige into a four example? And then what if you're trying to break into a new field and you do not have experience in that area? How can your resume display that? Okay. So typically, in terms of the prestige levels, that's a good question. In terms of moving up in prestige levels, it's been my experience that that in terms of moving up prestige levels, you you really it's very difficult to move up in a prestige level from a one to a four, for example. If you're at a one firm doing lower budget consumer-related work, which is okay, then you probably... The best you're going to do in most cases is to move to probably a two firm. And then from there, you can move to a three firm. And that's how people do it. Now, I'm not saying I've had instances before where I've moved someone from a two firm to a four firm or even from a three to a five firm, but it's very rare. What's more common is a one to a two and two to a three. And so I've seen people, and just to give you some examples, I had one candidate that graduated from, really good guy graduated from Michigan Law School or was it Michigan? I think it was Michigan and failed the bar two or three times and, and I didn't get an offer as a summer associate. He started at a one firm or maybe a two firm and did very well there and worked very hard for two or three years, moved to a three firm then moved to a four firm and then eventually moved to a five firm and so it's definitely to do it's not something that it's definitely possible to do and something that a lot of people do but you have to pretty much move slowly and the reason moving from a two to moving to a three firm is typically a little bit more difficult than moving from one to two is because a lot of times those firms have in-house counsel and the in-house counsel is really closely looking at who's being hired and who's working on their matters so if all of a sudden someone that has experience just doing working for individuals is working on a company's matters and at a three firm, the company's gonna be like, what the heck's going on here? And whereas if you had a background doing a lot of work for small companies at a two firm, you would do a three firm, then the firm would justify it by saying, this person did all this type of work in this practice area and they have all this experience and then the health counsel would be like, that's great. So that's how that works. One of the reasons, by the way, and I don't necessarily believe in this, but one of the reasons that the highest paying firms, it's very difficult to get jobs with them and is because they have to impress not just their staff and their attorneys with the quality of attorneys that they hire, but they also have to impress... Outside counsel, the way it typically works when when a law firm's hiring someone or putting them on a matter, they'll say Missy is a graduate of this law school where she was doing this and this, and she's we hired her from this other big firm, or she comes to us, so that's something along those lines, or you don't even have to go to the best law school in the country; and might have gone to like a top 250 school, but then they want to say. This person was number six in their class out of 100 students. They need to say something to justify hiring you and having you work on their matters is all. And because half the law firm is accountable, the best, highest-paying law firm are accountable not only to their employees but they're outside clients. I saw something once. It was sad. It was an attorney that I knew pretty well. And he had started out going to unaccredited California law school. And then after going to that unaccredited California law school, he had gotten a series of degrees over five or six years while not working. And the last one was from Harvard. And then he was hired in the Los Angeles office of a giant New York law firm. And he got there and no one would give him any work because they figured out that what had happened and the other associates weren't very nice to him and that sort of thing. But had he started off at a maybe a smaller firm and done really well there and become an expert and, and then moved up, it probably would have been different. And that's exactly what he did, by the way. He left that New York firm and went to work at a at a mid-sized LA firm and just knocked it out of the park and, and then became, developed a big book of business and then moved to a larger firm after that. So. That's how law firms think about that.
0: That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.